This is Ingredient Insiders. I'm John Magazzino. And I'm Andrea Parkins. On each episode of Ingredient Insiders, we'll be talking with famous chefs and food authors about their favorite ingredients. We'll then be speaking to the producers of those ingredients to talk about the history, how it's made, and why chefs love using them in their kitchens. Andrea, special episode today. I'm so excited for this one, John. We went to a very special place, so it needed a very special episode because we're talking to one of, if not the most famous chefs in the United States, Chef Thomas Keller. Yeah, hands down the most accomplished and, you know, awarded American-born chef. Yeah. Take us through, John. I mean, well, let's just talk about a couple of his restaurants. First of all, the French Laundry opened in 1994 in California, three Michelin stars, followed that a few years later in New York City with Per Se. Three Michelin stars. Three Michelin stars. That's a very important thing. Chef Thomas Keller is the only chef in the United States to have multiple Michelin three-star restaurants. You know, everyone's kind of heard of Michelin stars. To understand how difficult it is to get three Michelin stars in a restaurant, There's only in all of France, which a lot of people consider kind of the epicenter of fine cuisine and restaurants, I think there's only 22 or 25 Michelin three-star restaurants in the entire country. So to have three Michelin stars in any single restaurant, you know, puts you at the top tier of the world's greatest restaurants. big, big, big deal. And, you know, here it is. Thomas Keller has got one on each coast. So incredible. What an incredible feat. And one of the things they talk about with a Michelin three-star restaurant in particular in that guidebook is... Three stars means it's a restaurant worthy of a special journey. And people travel from every corner of the globe just to go to a Michelin three-star restaurant. You know, vacations and trips are centered around just that stop. So we wanted to put out an episode that was just as special. And here we are. So we're going to sit down with Thomas in Yountville, which is where the French Laundry is located. So, Andrew, what were, what are your impressions of Yountville, California? I mean, this place is stunning. You know, we we came from San Francisco, and you're you're driving through the Napa Valley, so the vineyards are a plenty. But I didn't really know what to expect, and we we turned in, and immediately both of us kind of looked at each other, and we were like, "This is kind of like Thomas Keller Disneyland," because as you're driving, you're passing all of. Thomas Keller's restaurants. So you're passing Ad Hoc, you're passing Bouchon, you know, you have the French Laundry. La Calenda, the La Mexican Calenda. restaurant just opened. Mm-hmm. And I know he just opened a new Champagne and Caviar Lounge. So, I mean... It's almost like they should call this place Kellerville. Yes. You know, uh, no disrespect to Mr. or Mrs. Yount. Yountville is beautiful. I think, you know, why not Kellerville? Yeah, I, I'm down for that. I think he'd be down for that. So... The French Laundry Cookbook, I know that was very important to you. Very important to me. It was like my first real cookbook. It's an amazing book. Numerous James Beard Awards that the man has won. He appears in the movie Ratatouille, a favorite of my daughter's. He plays a patron in the restaurant. And obviously it's animated, but his voice appears in the movie. And and it's so, so wonderful. He's got a very distinct voice. And is there anything that this guy hasn't done in the culinary world? Yes. What's that? Well, we're going to be talking about it today, John, because he, you know, kind of brings us to our ingredient. He is launching a brand new uh, stocks and sauces company called Proper Stocks and Sauces. So, you know, when we asked him to be a guest on the show, we said, what do you want to talk about? And he said, bones. 
So and cool. It was like, it was so cool to hear that because, you know, cheese or, or charcuterie, whatever, but bones. Do you cook with bones? I mean, if I'm if I'm making um, a stock, I, I I am, and you know, I like to cook meat on the bone because it imparts so much flavor. Yeah. But I was really excited. I'm into bones. Yeah. Um, I don't want to sound creepy, like you know, like a murderer. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but to your point, I will always opt for cooking a protein or a piece of meat with the bone whenever possible, and the reason for that is because I feel like it's very hard to overcook things where on the bone. Mm-hmm. I love. You know, what's that expression, like me falling off the bone? Kind yeah. of like, to me, when something's cooked really well, it is falling off the bone. Absolutely. I think about the ribs at Houston's. I know mm-hmm. yeah. it's like some of my favorites. And they're served. They actually like kind of cut through each of them, but they leave the bones on. Right. And it literally is so tender. And I immediately, as soon as you said meat falling off the bones, I went to those ribs. To me, like I love that you just described that because the perfect cooked pieces of meat to me are when you eat chicken, like a chicken thigh. Uh, mm-hmm. And if you can eat the meat and it, all you're left with is a clean bone it's or perfect. ribs like you just described, and there's no little pieces of meat left on that bone, it's just a clean bone, I know I've eaten something really good. Absolutely. For you know chefs out there to know that there's a product that Thomas Keller is using, I think they can have a lot of confidence using it in their kitchens. So I'm excited to talk with him about this venture um, that he went on, you know, with a dear friend of his, Mitch Mitchell. Yeah, I'm sure he's going to talk, uh, you know, about how this company started. Yeah. Uh, Mitch is Thomas's business partner and golfing buddy. And, you know, they, they're BFFs at this point. You know, I'm sure they'll tell us how they met. Mitch is based in England and is a chef by trade himself. And, you know, I don't know the whole story, but I think Thomas tasted his stocks while he was traveling and they kind of fell in love. Yeah, I can't wait to talk all about bones with Thomas Keller and Mitch Mitchell. This is going to be an incredible bonus episode. This episode is in partnership with the Chef's Warehouse and produced by Gotham Production Studios in New York City. Oh my God, what can we say? The California tour continues, Andrea. And we are kind of in sacred ground here, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, I feel like, you know, like baseball player, you know, you like Yankee Stadium is it. I think for food podcasters, being in this room. This is like the All England Club Wimbledon. Yes. Of podcasting is what you're saying. This is like playing in the big championship, being here in Yountville, California, in the Napa Valley with Chef Thomas Keller and Chef Mitch Mitchell. Wow. Oh, my God. Thank you for being here. Well, you're welcome. It's really a pleasure to be here, and, and we welcome you with open arms to our beautiful little town here in Yonville. Stunning. So exciting. You guys, both chefs, have launched the Proper Stocks and Sauce Company, um, and we're super excited to talk about bones and stocks. <laughs> I was excited when we got the email. You know, the, What ingredient do you want to talk about? Bones. It's a great subject. Yep. It is. It's, it's a real perfect sub- science behind that subject. I'm going to digress for a second, okay. though, because we're here. We have 45 minutes. I'm going to tell a couple of interesting stories. First one, though, this is a personal one, because I was sitting at home. I was watching TV, and I'm a big golfer, and I love watching golf. And there is Chef Keller on TV, live, in his chef's toque. His apron. His apron. Mm-hmm. And he's on the 17th tee at Pebble Beach, the most iconic par three possibly in all of golf. Yeah. 
and he's in a competition for charity and it's the closest to the whole thing. He steps up, knocks it to seven inches, $600,000 to your charity. Yep. I was blown away. I was disappointed you didn't get the hole in one. <laughs> Andrea. <laughs> I mean, he's pretty damn good. And, you know, how many Michelin stars does the guy have to get before? Just kidding. Okay. <laughs> um, so I don't even know. How do you do that with the the apron, the toque, the whole thing? I've taught him everything he knows. Oh, <laughs> bitch, exactly. <laughs> you just kind of step up there and hit it. I mean, you know, it's... Uh, I, I started wearing the toque when I first got invited to the AT&T because it gave me kind of an out, right? I mean, you've got all these these actors up there and these sports, you know, icons, and they're all playing golf regularly. And and me, I'm just, you know, I play golf maybe once a week. And I thought, well, if I'm going to do this, if it's going to be competing against these you know, chef's uniform, you can't hit the ball, you know, tied up in an apron with a toque on. And if I hit it good, then my God, this guy's a really great golfer. Well, for five years... You know, I didn't even come close. Of course, this year, I, I was able to nail it. That was amazing. Amazing. So another funny story, and this is another one I'm going to digress, and I hope you don't remember this one. This goes back to 2004 when Per Se was opening in New York. Again, stunning. I don't even think the restaurant had opened yet. Jonathan Benno called me and said, Chef Keller would like to try some caviars that you're offering. Can you please be here at 11 o'clock next Thursday morning? I said, absolutely. We went in the warehouse in the, in the fridge, in the caviar fridge, and pulled out the most perfect original tins of Caspian Sea, Golden Ocetra. This was when caviar was the greatest of the great. And I went into the restaurant. I don't even think the staff was in yet. The kitchen team wasn't there. And I laid out 10 tins of original tin caviar opened each one of them. I was so nervous. And Chef Keller came in, perfectly starched whites, as you would expect. He was ready to do the tasting, and we did the tasting, just the two of us. And then when we were done, I started closing the tins. And these the, the original tins have these very big, you know, three-inch rubber bands that are very hard to stretch. And I was struggling with one of them. Chef Keller said, John, let me help you with this. And we started pulling it together. I hope you don't remember this, but he might. We started pulling the rubber band, and the rubber band snapped. <laughs> the lid of the caviar tin flew across the room, hit the wall. I saw caviar splattered on this pristine kitchen. I look down, there's caviar on the floor, and then I look up, and then there was a big splotch of caviar it was on all over Chef's you. coat. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, oh my God, this the most mortifying thing. And then... I'm down along with Chef Keller on our hands and knees scraping <laughs> thousands of dollars worth of caviar off the floor. <laughs> I walked out of uh, Per Se that day and thought I might retire from being a food purveyor because it was so horrific. <laughs> See, if the, if, you know, stories are great, right? They, they, give, they give you a purpose yeah. in, in, later in life. <laughs> Hopefully you don't remember that because I think about it all the time. Okay. <laughs> well, I was looking through the French Laundry Cookbook because it was actually for me... I was a freshman at Johnson & Wales, 2003, and it was the first cookbook that I had ever received. So to be sitting here is kind of a full circle moment. And I remember one of the first classes we had to take was soup, stocks, and sauces. So to sit here and talk about that with the both of you um, is exciting. And I would just love to hear how this match kind of happened, where the ideas came from. Was it something stemmed from COVID? 
Well, let me let me start, and then you can finish. Right? I've got a slightly different angle in this as well, so you, okay, you I'm carry sure on. You do. You're English. Yeah. That's what happens with you guys. You always got a slightly different <laughs> Scottish. angle. Scottish. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we were doing a, a pop up at Harrods, I think, probably in 2008. Yes. Yeah. And um, you know, it took us a year to prepare it and get everything ready to go to to, to London to open this restaurant for ten days, basically. And one of the things that we were struggling with is is making our stocks, right? Our veal stock primarily. So I started calling around to my colleagues, you know, throughout London saying, you know, can you make stock for us? We'll give you the recipe, yada, yada. We'll come over and supervise it. We'll do whatever you need to have done in order for us to get our veal stock. And everybody I called said, we don't make stock. I'm going, what? You don't make stock. Yeah, we, we buy it from Mitch. So I got Mitch's phone number rang him up, and um, kind of the rest is history. Now, what is your story, Mitch? The go-to guy in London (laughs) for uh, stock, huh? I believe, so so I'm told, I don't see it like that. I mean, stock being such a fundamental ingredient for any kitchen, uh, we never want to be the biggest. We never want to be the best. We just want to be consistent. And as I touched on earlier, there's a great science to making stock. uh, And you touched on you want to talk about bones. Bones are so important to me. You know, we analyze bones in, in great detail on a monthly basis in the UK. With the bones that I receive, we have to determine an exact meat content on the bone. So it's really interesting. It's really high tech. It, we get into cooking times, we get into temperatures, fundamental. And this is important because, you know, bones aren't just bones. And some of the bones we yeah. receive in the United States are much different profile than they are in the UK. Number one, you know, when I walked into the processing plant, right? at True Foods, and, and Mitch showed me the, the walk-ins. I mean, the bones are just stunning. I mean, fresh, have meat le- left on them. Um, I mean, you could, you could, I mean, smelling, right, the beef or, or the lamb, right? I mean, just extraordinary. And part of that roasting quality, right, part of that quality of the flavor profile is gonna actually come from the meat, not necessarily all, just bone. So that's, that's really, really critical. What's important is when you try our stock, you taste beef, you taste chicken or lamb. How we also view stock is like wine. And some we sat here in Napa, we view it like wine. We want layering of aromatics, a little hint of black peppercorn, maybe a hint of bay. But overall, you can taste beef or you can taste chicken or lamb. And be that roasted or white chicken stock, you have to have that layering. So you have partners that you are procuring the bones from and like to your spec or... To our specification. Yeah. And it's the same process here. I guess, how do you, how are you making the stock? I mean, I think it's, you know, what, is there a secret? I mean, obviously, roasting the bones is so important to get that richness and the deep flavor. Roasting the bones is, is crucial. Uh, the Maillard reaction is really, is truly important in terms of that, the, the sugars and the proteins cooking. But does one have to cook and roast all the bones? No, we don't. No, we don't. Okay. Because again, it's about timing and when you add those roasted bones that you want that roasted flavor. I'm a firm believer if you roast the bones from the very beginning, you lose that roasted flavor up your extraction. It's gone. I had the opportunity to taste some of these stocks back when you'd first sent us some prototypes. And one thing that really struck me is it is almost impossible to recreate these at home and let alone... In most kitchens of restaurants, this is a very labor-intensive, very time-consuming process, and it's also not easy to find great bones. 
So I think that, you know, we have a lot of chefs and restaurateurs who listen to the podcast and they may be saying, you know, why am I going to use a product that's already pre-made? And so what are, you know, obviously time and labor is so important today. Consistency. And consistency. And that's why we analyze the bones in terms of the meat content. That every time that we supply a great chef or stock, he gets it the same every time. A chef buying bones arguably gets a different mix of bones every time he takes the delivery. So his stock will never be consistent. Yeah, It's very important what, what Mitch is saying. And just to remind everybody, we don't really have to roast bones to get them to get the deep, rich color. Right? I mean, the French Laundry for years, I mean, the entire, the entire history of the French Laundry, we never roasted our veal bones, primarily because we didn't want to have the roasted veal flavor profile. We wanted to have a neutral flavor profile that we could use the veal stock as a, as a foundation for any sauce that we wanted to make. We could then roast lamb bones, or we could roast veal bones, or we could roast beef bones, and actually impart that roasted flavor from that animal into the veal stock that we were using, because the veal stock was a very neutral flavor, but it gave us the viscosity that we want. You know, if you ever, when you taste a really beautiful stock, right, what happens to your lips? They're sticky, right? It's that gelatinous quality, right? That richness that you want. It also gives it the viscosity that you're looking for when you're reducing a sauce. And it's such a foundational ingredient to any great restaurant. I can still kind of remember visiting France in high school and tasting a homemade demi-glace for the first time and being like, wow. Like, you just drink this stuff. How long does it take a demi-glace? We're talking days, hours? Oh, the, the first part of the process will take an initial 12-hour cook. Yeah. But then we've got to harvest that stock and then further reduce it. And again, we're very, at, at Proper Stock and Source Company, we're very particular that we make stock to our customer specification in many cases. So you're making it to order, correct? We do indeed. I think that's really important as well. Yeah, sure. Super fresh. Yeah. The other thing I, w- I want to mention, because we were talking about the process and everything and, and, and the benefits of using, you know, proper stock. Um, number one, we think about safety, right? I mean, for 24 years, the, the French Laundry and 19 or 18 years of per se, all of our restaurants, right, we're, we're, we are dealing with vast, you know, quantities of super hot liquid, Right. And, and moving those around, you know, I mean, it takes two, you know, two hefty guys to pick up a stock pot, a hundred, hundred, hundred quart stock pot. And so, you know, we've seen occasionally where, you know, it's a bit of a problem. I mean, it, it, you know, it spills over and falls into your shoe. I mean, you're in the hospital, right? So safety, 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 right. And removing that, right. That, that danger uh, from a kitchen is, is extraordinary. And Very then, you, important. then you think about the process, right? You have to bring the bones in, right? You're blanching the bones. You're doing all the process, you know, cooking it, doing a remiage, which we did was remiage. So it's, it's two days, right. Of, of, of this process that goes on. Um, and then you have to, then you have to get rid of all of the, the byproduct. So then, you know, you're again, putting in, 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 in the waste and all these different things. So that's a big process and that's, that, that, that causes labor. So you have all this labor issue, right? And then real estate. I mean, think about the real estate prices today. If you can eliminate stock production, in your restaurants or in your hotels, especially, right? You free up all of that space to use for other other uses. So, you know, we think about that, you know, the process, the safety, you know, the cost of just the real estate. Another important fact is kitchens are actually becoming smaller. 
Kitchens are also becoming way more modern with the induction suites. And induction is not a great cooking method for stocks as it will overheat. Right. So, yeah, all of these points are, are so important. One of the things that I'm thinking about too is when you guys collaborated, were you sharing your secret recipes Were the, you know, with proper stocks or these Thomas Keller's recipes? Well, we don't have any secrets. Yeah. Um, I, you know, we, 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 we share with everybody and, ev and anybody who wants to understand what we do. Um, and of course, as partners, you know, he, you know, Mitch has, has done this for well over a decade and has, has done an extraordinary job in the process, creating efficiencies, right? All the cook times, mm. the equipment that's needed. And so, you know, he brought all of that to us. We just gave them, gave them our recipes. That said, you know, there still is a specialty portion of it where we're working with a company in, in Southern California where we're producing their... Um, their branded product. Yeah. yeah. Right. right. Using their bones, right, um, and cooking it to their specifications. Yeah. Fantastic. Now, proper stock and sauces are now being made in the United States in Portland, Oregon. Yes. Tell us a little bit about why you chose Portland, Oregon and, you know, the facility up there. Uh, we, ch we chose Portland as... An opportunity arose. I, uh, I went up and visited. I came back, reported back to, to Chef, and we made the decision over the first tea. We did. That this was a good opportunity for us. And literally, I visited that plant on the 6th of June, 2019. We took over the 1st of July. Fantastic. Uh, it was very quick process in terms of initial meeting to becoming owners of that, that facility. Now, that time was when we met 2008... I think we, you know, in 2010, we became close friends, yeah. right? Yeah. In 2009, 2010. Our first launch was actually using um, our stocks on Seaborn, right? Which is the cruise ship on line. The cruise launch, sure. So, because we have five restaurants, you know, five ships, five yeah. restaurants. And uh, and um, True Foods supplies all of the stocks, you know, for, for our restaurants as well as for the, uh, the other restaurants on board now. Nice. It's just such a beautiful product. Mm. But it was a 10-year conversation, right, from the time we started to think about doing it to the moment we did it. And I, I think a big part of that was because there was a factory that was a, there was a processing plant that yeah. became available that was USDA approved. And we just said, hey, let's just do it. Let's do it now. I just imagine these guys walking down the fairway, you know, <laughs> talking about stocks and sauces <laughs> and <laughs> recipes. Normal it's conversation. Actually, I love yeah. it. Yeah. It's fantastic. <laughs> well, what better place than to be on a golf course to come up with these ideas? Yeah. And I want to talk a little bit about the packaging um, and kind of how a chef is using it. Um, it's it comes in bags, correct? Uh, a five point five point five pound bag. Okay. Is it are they? Is it refrigerated? Is it frozen? It, it's frozen. Okay. So you would essentially can you put the bag in water and bring it up to temp? How how do you recommend? I would a chef recommend leaving it? it in the fridge overnight. Okay. Just t temper it that way. Temper it slowly. Uh, yeah, and then use the next day. Yeah, nice. So, I mean, it's a frozen product. It has a really long shelf life. You can defrost exactly what you need, so you're always using a fresh product exactly instead that. of having to take a big pot. To your point earlier, it's such a value added product for chefs, especially now. I just think it's a no brainer. And, and just to remind you, this is this is exactly the packaging that we would do previous to you know proper stock. Um, so, in our restaurants. We make our stocks, we cool them down, we bag them, we, we seal them, and we put them in the freezer because it's very easy. Right? Stack they're, them. They're, they're stacked, they're flat. Yeah. You know, you pull them out in the quantity that you need and, and you go at it. 
Yeah. Really important for chefs and restaurateurs to understand that this you're getting the same quality that is being used in Michelin star, three star restaurants. This is as good as it gets. Absolutely. And you may be able to make your own and that's wonderful. But all the points that Chef Keller and uh, Chef Mitchell have just brought up, you know, it's kind of a no-brainer, as you yeah. said, to use these products. They're so good. I, I, I'm really just extraordinary. I want to go back to talking about the production a little bit more. In Oregon, you're sourcing the bones from uh, meat production companies. And what about the produce that's used in it? We're buying local produce uh, from the local area in Portland to support local businesses in that area. Uh, same with the aromatics are coming from bespoke little suppliers that give us a great fresh time, fresh, you know, fresh bay. So yes, supporting local companies. That's really important. So if you're the guy who, you know, everyone is going to for stocks, how did you get your kind of culinary start in this? And, and what brought you to becoming like the stock king, if you will? Oh, wow. Uh, good question. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, as you know, a young boy when I leave school, I just had this passion for food. You know, on day one in the kitchen, the chef it was really exciting and showed me how to skin a Dover sole. And I thought, this was amazing. And that, no pun intended, got me on the hook. That was me. I was gone from that moment. And I just had this great passion for stocks and sauces. I remember Anton Mossman, a famous chef based in London for years, telling me when he came to my restaurant one day that I made great stock. And that just stuck with me. Until such time, I gave up working for other people and my wife and I created True Foods. She came up with the name. Uh, yeah, which is a wonderful name because we want True Foods in the UK to be based on culinary principles, which is something that we keep here. But every ingredient on back of pack, you've got in your fridge or you've got it in your larder, no matter what we make. It has to be true. It has to be fresh. It has to be local, arguably, uh, um, to make the best product. You're very modest, though, because I think, you know, I was having a conversation with Andrea yeah. the other day. When we spoke on the phone, I, you were telling me you were cooking for royalty and... Um, you had this kind of extensive chefing career. Yeah, let's you're being talk very a bit. modest. Yeah, very right modest, now, Mitch. very British, very, very uh, He's Scottish. Scottish. Come yeah, on, Scottish. 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 Yeah. yeah, I was fortunate in, in my career. Uh, I became personal chef of the King Queen of Jordan. Uh, amongst other people, I, I traveled with Tony Blair and the British government. And my induction into food manufacturing was actually working for Linda and Paul McCartney, or working rather predominantly for Linda, but based with the McCartneys. And I developed the McCarthy brand as it is in the UK today. And that saw me move on throughout larger food manufacturers until we opened True Foods. I try not to talk about it too much. Okay. But he's a modest. <laughs> just, yeah, very just, modest. Just, okay, just add to his fame, um, Waitrose, which is one of the largest right, um, the grocery stores mm -hmm. uh, yeah. in, in London, carry all of, his, all of his stocks and sauces that are labeled Waitrose are actually made at True Foods. Yeah. And then Heston Blumenthal, who's a great friend of ours, right? And again, another three-star Michelin chef. He has a line at White Rose, which are also made by True Foods, as yeah. well as everything that's made in for Heston in his restaurants is made at True Foods. So it's not just three-star chefs here in America, but three-star chefs internationally. Incredible. Um, and, and, and everybody underneath that. I mean, there's so many people who rely on Mitch. Mm. And the quality of the stocks um, that he produces for us, is, it was just, it was, it was a no-brainer. Yeah, just like I mean, we, we supply from Claire Smith, Gordon Ramsay, Heston Blumenthal. And I think if we weren't consistent both in the UK and consistent with what we do here, we would never supply any of that, that level of chef. Now, I get it that, you know, other chefs may not want to be using another chef's product. 
I, I get that a hundred percent. That said, this is this is a, a fundamental or base product that you can then use in so many different ways, you know, and add your own, right? Build upon. Right. This is just this is just a building block, mm-hmm. right? So it gives you it gives you access to something that, again, right, from a safety production efficient point of view, gives you your building blocks to do anything that you want with it. So whether it's you know chicken, veal, beef, um, lamb, I mean even specialty ones like venison or or turkey, turkey things turkey like for that. Yeah, all those different things. You know, it's it's the foundation. Let's talk about specifically what the products that are available now in the United States are. All made to order. Yeah. Chef's Warehouse has at least two or three of these mm-hmm. in we're our warehouse the now. We're stocking right now. Mm-hmm. What else is available for the chefs? That's and we're now ready to go with roast chicken stock, white chicken stock, lamb, duck, turkey for Thanksgiving or Christmas, uh, and vegetable stock. Don't forget yes. beef and veal. And beef and veal. That's already there. <laughs> yeah. Now, if a chef wants to make a demi-gloss, can they take that veal stock and cook it down and reduce it? Absolutely. How would they do that? For the reduction, and then by using their own bones that they may roast and add at the end to infuse it further, but it's pure the reduction process. Awesome. Let that chef work his magic or her magic. Are you making any other products besides stocks at True Foods? At True Foods, yes, we make a range of sauces from uh, peppercorn sauce, steak Diane, hollandaise sauce, red wine jus, a port jus, truffle and Madeira. Shallot. Yep, shallot sauce. Yeah, shallot sauce, yeah. yeah. So chefs can come to you essentially with their sauce recipes and you will scale them? We will scale them for them. That's awesome. Yeah. Right. We are very bespoke, you know, very flexible in terms of meeting the chef's needs depending on his, his restaurant, his style of hotel and cook. Nice. So remember that we started this in 2019, right? Yeah, timing wasn't perfect. That was, yeah, yeah, yeah. wasn't perfect. A little hiccup there. We did. It took us a while to really, you know, to get to this point. I mean, yeah. it was just like, yeah. two and a half years actually to get to a point where we, we felt really, com- we we're feeling really comfortable about our production and then our future, because it is called Proper Stock and Sauce Company. And, you know, we do hope to be, you know, making sauces here in, in the near future yeah. and then hopefully bringing something to the retail market, right? You know, 500, you know, 500 milliliter, you know, bag of stock, right? So people can buy stock. That, that was, yeah. was going to yeah. be my next question yeah. because these are available now for professional chefs and yeah. restaurants, hotels, country clubs, cruise lines, as you mentioned. What a treat if you were to be able to get these for use at home. Yeah. And I still really, haven't found like box stock. It doesn't exist. It's just that like, you're almost like, and at home, you're typically not making stocks, you know, for yourself. Maybe you do, um, but for me, I don't have the time. So to have something like this, I, I mean, yeah. I would love well, it. Yeah. I mean, at home, it's impossible. You don't have the volume. Yeah. Right. You need to have a volume of liquid to bones that you can cook for eight, eight to twelve hours. Right. And you you can't do that even in the in, even in the largest you know stock pot that you could potentially put right. on your stove. It just doesn't work. My New York City yeah. apartment does not. Yeah, um, that bode well yeah. you don't have fifty pounds of veal bones no, just I, sitting no. in your fridge, mm-hmm. or 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 a hundred liter ba- uh, stock pot. No, <laughs> nope. doesn't work. Okay, my yeah, very yeah. small refrigerator. You, could li- you, you probably live in the stock pot, right? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but if you had a bag of our stock and you reduced it at home in your New York apartment, even poured it into ice cube trays and freeze it, and then you use it as you need it, it becomes so flexible for the home cook. I'm hoping that yours will become available in retail sooner than I'm going to do that. <laughs> so you let me know, when, I'll it's, let you know. Uh, yeah. when it's ready. Yeah, but there are there are those people, you know, who actually buy a, a case of our stock, right? Because it's, it's 
five, four bags? Four bags. Four Ten bags. liters. Ten liters. And, yeah. you know, there are people at home who cook quite a lot. Yeah. And, you know, for having having 10 liters of stock at home is not is not far-reaching for them. Uh, I must yeah. confess, I do have your stock in my freezer at home. Well, there you go. So. Yeah. 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 Um, let's talk about... Let's we, t- we, were, we were on a... We were on a... Come back from Pebble. Yeah, we're playing golf again. Yeah. Coming back from Pebble. Yeah. And, uh, I got to figure out how to get into yeah. this uh, foursome yeah. that these guys have yeah. going on. We're driving down the road and uh, I, I'm driving up 880 or 680 or one of the 80s. Uh, having a bit of a brainstorming on the name of the company. Yeah. And we're behind a pickup truck that in the back window has a logo from Rolling Stones, yes. Mick Jagger. Right. So, you know, the, the, the red. tongue. Yeah. yeah the, right. Mm-hmm. And I blurt out, sticky lips. <laughs> no, What'd so, you think, Mitch? Well, there, there is a moment here. Sometimes <laughs> I, I liked it because I got it. And there is a moment in time, something, there's a sign. So literally we're all laughing about sticky lips. And then there's a song comes on the radio, the Rolling Stones, Start me up. Well, we started singing "Stock me up." Yep, I like it. And we thought that could be a tune. If we have to put you on hold when you phone, that's that's going to be the tune on the phone. Or it's an it's an ordering signal that well, good afternoon, chef. How can we stock you up? I like that. <laughs> this was this was like this was a moment, right? Just it just happened. It's, just happened yeah. within ten minutes. It yeah. just happened. Just happened. And and that was a. a, a a, a true sign that this should be the name. The name of Sticky Lips. For, for our stock company. Right? I love it. And then the song. Uh, but then, what happened? Other people got involved. Yeah, uh, other right. people uh, got involved. Uh, other, <laughs> they uh, weren't uh, fans of the Rolling Stones. No, no they were teasing. I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess where did proper... Well, then come, we, we searched and searched and searched, and it took us a long time. A long time, yeah, long time. a long time. Uh, yeah. yeah. I think somewhere in one of my cookbooks, I think we talked about making a proper stock. Yeah. Right? Yes. And, and I loved it because living in, in England now, in, in, in the area where I live, in Yorkshire, proper is a term that's used all the time. Mm-hmm. So I was really happy with that name. Proper's the pinnacle, the, the done in the right way. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. This is the proper way to do it. Yeah. You know, and you I can, don't think you, you should be the best stock and sauce company, but you're a proper stock and sauce company. And again, to me, it goes back to the culinary principles that we, we live by, that we do it properly. Yeah, it's like true foods. I mean, that those two words, proper stock, I mean, they're, they're synonymous. There's a marriage, yeah. yeah. But we will, at some point, when we get over whatever it is that's holding so, us back, there will be something. There will be the sticky lip range. Yeah, there'll be sticky lip something. Because really, I mean, you know, when you do taste the proper stock, Right. What it's, happens? I mean, your lips get stuck. You look, you look, yeah, this yeah. is true. The gelatinous properties in our stock get sticky on the lips, and you you feel it. Yeah. And then you know it's proper. Right. Yeah. Right. And then that's part of your presentation talk. So, and guests who are tasting our stock get that. Yeah. Yeah. If your so, lips aren't sticking together, the stock hasn't made properly. It's not been reduced enough. Yeah. Right. There, there you, you go. go. So that's fun. Sticky lips. Yeah. Love it. Well, I have a question. Yeah. For both of you, actually. So. I'm assuming you cook at home. No? Mm. Okay. Mitch, you... Mitch, maybe. I, mean, I do. Yeah. I do. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Well. He has more time than I do. It could, or this could be, you know, in your, in your, in your he restaurants. He plays golf but more, better than I do as well. It gives you another indication of how much I time ask, he has. <laughs> I ask all of our guests, what are the five pantry staple must-haves that, that you have to have at all? Sure. Time? In your home kitchen. Sure. In your I, home think, kitchen. I think we probably agree on several of them. I mean, we Besides talk about the s- salt. Yes. 
right? Mm -hmm. Acid, right? A, a, a proper Dijon mustard, okay? Right. Mm -hmm. I'm uh, more I'm more a whole grain mustard guy. Really? Yeah. That could be from Dijon too, though. Yes, no? yeah. yeah. Okay. So there you I go. Love the I won't you judge Thomas, you. Chef Thomas right. is a smooth. You're yeah. a grainy. Okay. Right. Right. I'm a smooth, John. Yeah. I'm, okay. a, I'm a smooth too. Okay. okay. Um, Sorry, you Mitch. know, a great a great olive oil, mm -hmm. right? You need that, and then and then a great cooking oil because they're different. Sure. Yeah, I think those are from for me. Those are the five things I need to have in my pantry. Okay. Chef, what's a cooking oil for you? What type? Well, of cooking oil? oil has a very a, high a flash point. Uh, yeah, grapeseed is you know we're we're in Napa Valley, so yep. we use grapeseed in our restaurants, which mm -hmm. means we use grapeseed per se as well. So it has a high flash point, right? I think it's over 450 degrees. Where olive oil, you know, I mean, a really 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 good olive oil has a flash point of maybe 220. Right. Yeah. So, and then it just deteriorates in flavor and aroma. We don't want to take that beautiful yeah, Mani right. olive oil and right. use it yeah. for anything yeah. but finishing. People forget that that extra virgin olive oil, the highest quality, is a condiment, right? And you put it on after you make something. Cooking oil is something different that you know doesn't really have a lot of flavor, but has a super high flash point. So those would be the five ingredients that I would have in my I, life. I, I'd okay. add one to that, and I'd, I need a hot sauce. I need a hot sauce. What kind of hot sauce? I love hot sauce. You know, a nice sriracha. Love it. You I know. have it every morning on my eggs. On my eggs. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. So we have six. We have six. Yeah, we have six. Okay. Which I is love not it. bad. And they're all and they're all very valid, right? They've all got the place. They all, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, I agree. Love it. Awesome. Well, this has been an honor, a pleasure. Great to spend time with both of you. We're right here, just down the street from the French laundry. In you know, I feel like Yountville is kind of like uh, Thomas Kellerville now. You've got we so many beautiful down, restaurants. Yeah. There's Ad Hoc. There's Bouchon. Uh, I'm sure I'm missing Bouchon Bakery. RRO, mm -hmm. um, our new caviar lounge, which okay. is just open last summer. The Regis Ova Caviar, yeah, beautiful. Yeah. yeah. Are there any other projects in the works right now in Yountville? <laughs> in anywhere for you? Um, well, we're opening, yes, we have a new Bouchon mm -hmm. opening in Coral Gables, which is in South oh, Florida. nice. Um, in uh, the first part of next year, so January, February next year, we'll be opening Coral Gables Bouchon. So very we're very nice. excited for that. Yeah. yeah, that's a great yeah. spot. You know what I would love to see? What? The Chef Thomas Keller and Mitch Mitchell Country Club. Oh, yeah. Mm. Why not? Uh, yeah, that's a good idea. It's a great idea. We should nice. that's that. good for thought. Yeah. But when you guys do it, let us know. You'll okay. be here. We'll be, we'll be there. Just don't Beautiful. bet, just don't bet uh, Chef Keller on the part No, breeze. I definitely You'll... won't. I'll be driving the <laughs> car. Oh, <no>. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks again, Thank guys. Thank you so much. It's been yeah. awesome. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you.